0: Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We've just heard it sung. Let's look at God's Word. 1 Corinthians 13. We begin this morning with verse 4. Before COVID started, I had preached five or six sermons on the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13. So I'm picking up a new series starting with verse 4 called Love Is. And as the video has told us, it Goes down to verse 8, love never fails. But let me read God's word beginning at verse 4. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not jealous, love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it's not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, it does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Oh, boy, there's a passage right there that our world desperately needs to, to grasp. And so my desire is really from verse 4 to the end of the chapter uh, to preach for the next uh, 12 or 14 times on each of these characteristics of love, beginning this morning with um, love is patient. It doesn't take uh, a lot of reading of Scripture to see that um, when you get to verse 4, especially if you haven't already got it in the first three verses, that love is a function. It's an action verb. Uh, It's not like the song I grew up with that uh, I fooled around and fell in love. It's not something you fall into. Love is something you do. It's something God requires of us, to love Him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love one another uh, as ourselves. And there are characteristics that need to be involved in that action that we perform. And the first is mentioned, love is patient. Um, As you think about patience, the function of patience, uh, just, just what is it? Uh, when Patty and I um, uh, built the house we're currently in, we sold our, our previous home, moved into an apartment for a year while we built the house we're in now. Uh, we didn't really check that apartment out a lot. Uh, we just knew we needed to move, get in there so we could move on down the road and build our house. Uh, I remember getting up one um, morning and uh, said, well, I'm going to cook me some good old southern grits. And if you really want to cook them right, you got to cook them for a while. And, you know, you want them to be smooth and rich with butter and salt and all that, you know, thrown in. Well, anyway, I put the water pot on the stove, turned it to high, and went to do something. And I come back in about five minutes expecting the water to be boiling because you want boiling water for good grits. And it wasn't. I thought, hmm. All right, well, check to make sure it was on high and everything. And I said, I'll come back a little bit. I'll go for five more minutes, come back, and it's still not boiling. And I thought, there's something wrong with this stove, or either the water at this apartment has a really high boiling point, you know. And so I wait another five minutes, and I come back, and it's still not boiling. I'm boiling, but the water's not boiling at that point. Patience is a high boiling point. You're able to endure abuse, injustice, without losing your cool. You don't boil over. You don't lose it. Love is patience. Able to endure ill treatment, bad situations, bad things and not lose our cool, not boil over, so to speak, with anger. So if you're struggling with anger, it's a great uh, text and uh, focus to, to build into your life patience. Love is patience. Um, patience is needed with all of the riots, attacks, coronavirus issues that we can't figure out. Wow, we need a lot of patience right now. Um, I want patience. I'm sure you want patience. Um, What do we do to gain patience? I want us to really think through that. How do we get patience? And when we lose it, how do we get it back? We don't just have it, but we maintain it. Um, Why do we lose patience? You know, you've probably all said or at least I've said I don't know if you've all said it but you know at some point you say to somebody don't push me Mm -mm. don't push it don't push it don't push it meaning you keep going there I'm gonna lose it and that's not gonna be pretty you know so, so you just say don't push my patience any further down this road what what are some of the patience pushers what are those things that happen to us that cause us to lose our patience, to lose our control? Um, and I've got three for you that to, to put on your outline. It's ignorance, inexperience, and insubordination. I want to show you those three things in the scripture. We lose our patience because we're ignorant of something, we're missing something, We're inexperienced, or we're simply willfully against the one who is in charge. We're insubordinate. And it's those three times that we lose our patience. Um, Let's, uh, first of all, let's look at the first one ignorance. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 1 through 6. Now, people can come against you. Things can come against you. you your own failure uh, makes you lose your patience. But I'm not talking about those are just channels. You know, the, the people, the things, uh, your own failures. Why do, you, why do we allow those things to push our patience and we lose it? 1 Samuel chapter 24 First couple, first six verses, perhaps. Here's the example of ignorance. Now, when Samuel returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. So then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and he went to seek David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats he came to the sheepfolds on the way where there was a cave and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were inside that cave, in the inner recesses of the cave. The men of David said to him, probably in a whisper, David, behold, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, I'm about to give your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Basically, go kill him. Then David arose, cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly. It came about afterwards that David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the edge of Saul's robe. So he said to his men, Far be it from me because of the Lord that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him since he's the Lord's anointed. David realize, as he's basically cutting off a piece of Saul's robe, this conscience begins to bother him. He says, "This is wrong. What I'm being encouraged to do by my fellow soldiers is wrong. And it's wrong because I the scripture he knew is, um, God raises up kings. God raises up leaders. You're supposed to respect your leaders. They are God's anointed. You're not supposed to trash the anointed. You're not supposed to speak against them. You're not supposed to do harmful things to them. David knew those principles. He was not ignorant. His soldiers were acting ignorant. Here's king killing. We, we know we've used the verse here in uh, uh, the services here. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Pray for your leaders. We've prayed for Obama. We've prayed for Trump. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to even like them. But we're supposed to pray for them. They are our leaders. God has raised them up to lead us as a nation. David understood that principle. When you forget the principles of God's word, when you act ignorant of them, you you tend to lose your patience. You start doing what you thinks right in your own eyes. Um, God has designed us to live according to his word and his principles. When we ignore that, we lose our patience. Ignorance to God's word, constrains, uh, lack of ignorance constrains us. When we know God's principles, we say, no, this is how I'm supposed to act in this situation. God's word constrains me. It directs me. And so we don't go outside of it, and we don't lose our patience. Look at uh, Romans chapter five, verses three and four. You see here a, uh, a design for trials. The trial could be through a person, could be through a thing, could be through your own failure. But notice the focus, Romans five, verse three and four. says, not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. See, that's not something a lot of us just quickly do. Um, I I can rejoice in my tribulations when I know it matters, when it's worth worth it. But how many of you have ever said, I'm going to design for myself today a trial or a tribulation? See, we're not in the designing stage of this, where we want to actually design a trial for ourselves. But you see, God does. God designs hard times. God God designs trials for us. He doesn't want our lives to always be easy, healthy, happy. God says, there's times I want you to have tribulation. So if you make your goal only to have the best of health and the best of happiness, you're missing God's designed for you. You're ignorant that God doesn't, God didn't create life this way. For us to go through life to only help happy, healthy, and wise. And a lot of people are struggling. They've, they've lost their patience during this time because they are pursuing goals that are outside of the Scriptures. Let me keep reading it. Romans 5, verse 3. Not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that the tribulation brings about perseverance the king old king james says the tribulation brings about patience there's a strong corollary between endurance perseverance and patience so depending on your translation uh, here the tribulation has been designed by god to create a certain endurance and a patience for you verse four and this perseverance or this patience produces proven character and proven character Produces hope. God wants to get us somewhere, and He can't get us there by us only being happy and healthy. There's times where He is particularly designed a trial, a persecution. There's a one going out the door right now. You know, it's 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 a time of growing up and understanding. There's things that hurt. There's things that I don't like. There's things that aren't particularly pleasant to me physically. And yet it's God's design to produce patience. The will of God is producing the patience. And that patience is being used to produce a character that God wants in us. We sometimes, we lose our cool out of ignorance. Oh, so many people I see today in the news frustrated. Frustrated. Because they, they just don't, they're not spending their time on the will of God. What is God's will in this situation? We're spending too, far too much of our time focused on the will of man in the news than the will of God in the news. Take God's design for us as a people. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. So we right in 1 Corinthians 13. Just go back a chapter. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 7 says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of ministries, the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, same God, who works all things and all persons, But each, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now skip over to verse 24. Three twenty-six. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, what is that telling you about God's design? God says, I have designed my church in such a way, not only do you see this in the church, you see it in the world. I've designed my church in such a way that you don't all have the same gifts. You don't all have the same abilities. And those of you who have similar gifts or similar abilities, don't use them the same way that they produce the same effects. And some of you, because of the way you use the gifts and the abilities that the one spirit has given us all, it it produces an effect that, would you have ever called one of your fellow members here unseemly or not presentable? God just described it. Says some of the members here are not as presentable, or as attractive, or as seemly as the other members, and some deserve an abundant honor, meaning others not so much. God didn't design us to be the same. We are all unique individuals. We all have different gifts, different abilities, and we produce different effects. And yet, why do we still keep trying to play the equality card? Like we're all supposed to be equal and have the same stuff and the same things and the same honor and the same respect. As long as you keep trying to play that card, you're going to be frustrated, and at times you're going to lose it. And the reason you're losing it is because you're ignorant of God's design. He didn't design us to be the same, or to be equal, or to have the same effects. He designed us to be very different, and to have different places, and different stuff, and different things. You can't walk into any room, anywhere, and there be somebody else there, and, and y'all be the same. It just doesn't happen. It's not according to design. What pushes our patience is ignorance with God's will and God's design. When we understand it, we can say, this is the way it's meant to be. This is my God's design. This is his strategy. And many times the the least of those are the ones God's exalting and honoring. And it doesn't need to frustrate us. If that's God's design. Second, we lose uh, our patience not only with ignorance, but with inexperience. You obviously see this with kids, but um, look at it for the rest of us as well. Look at James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. Here's one of those passages like the Romans 5 I just shared, um, that you, you see the corollary maybe a little stronger between endurance and the word patience. Patience. I like to think of it simply for my kids anyway when they were young to say patience is is waiting without fussing. It's enduring without complaining. Waiting without fussing. Look at it here James chapter 5 verse 7. Therefore be patient brethren until the coming of the Lord. How long? Until the coming of the Lord. You haven't been Doing it long enough. Yeah. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil. Be impatient about it until it gets the early and the late rains. So he gives the example of the farmer. says, be like the farmer. Farmers have to wait and, wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait for crops to grow. They can't do anything many times they just have to wait verse 8 you too be patient like that strengthen your hearts for the coming of the lord is near so he, if he's talking about a judgment coming of the lord that's coming quicker we still we have to wait for it it's not something we're in control of verse 9 did not complain brethren against one another so that you yourselves may be judged and behold the judge is standing right at the door wow That's a verse right there that says, In church, there is no complaining. I am the CEO of the complaint department. And my goal this year is zero, okay? No complaints. Just like we have our goal for deaths on the highways are zero. Our goal for complaints in the church is zero. He says, There should be no complaining. And he says, to, to make that really strong, he says, and your judge is watching you, standing right here to keep up with that. Verse 10 and as an example, brethren, of suffering, say, Well, if I don't complain, I'll suffer. Well, as an example of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And he's obviously thinking about the prophet Job here. We count those blessed who endured. You see the word. He said be like the prophets in patience. Now he uses the word endure. Endurance. You see the connection. Verse 11. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job. Some of you say no I've heard of the patience of Job. Again. These these words seem often interchangeable. You've heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Why was Job able to just endure such pain and suffering, physical afflictions, um, misery from people, misery from things, loss of so much? He had to know at some point it's worth it. And you don't see Job as an as a complainer. Uh, he takes his needs to God. Um, many are complaining at him and asking him to do things, and Job's just not that way. Um, he said, "Be like Job. He endured. He 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 waited it out without fussing. He didn't offer complaints. Um, he was depending on God." How, how did he get there? You get there through experience. It takes time to, to grow in the Lord and understand God's got this. God's in charge. So you just need to curse God, his wife tells him. And Job says, no, God's got this. I'm going to worship God. You go through that. And, and that's one of the things we're, we're, we're constantly trying to teach the younger ones. You know, when, when you're young, you just, you cry You're not patient. If you're hungry, you cry. If you're wet, you cry. It's like at some point you grow up and you say, I don't have to cry. I don't have to complain. Mom and dad have always had my back. They've always fed me. They've always taken care of me. I don't have to fuss about that. That's going to happen. They love me. And there's a sense in which God is telling us the same way. We lose our patience because we apparently don't have the right experiences with God to realize God has got it. You remember that popular verse in Psalm 46, be still and know that I'm God? You got that. Well, you also know, if you know that, that's Psalm 46, verse 10. My translation says, cease striving and know that I am God. And cease striving is a better translation here than just be still, because be still often means you know don't move. He's not asking us for no movement. The illustration he gave just before that, he says, verse 8 of Psalm 46, come behold the works of God. And he says, I want you to see what God can do. I want you to see how powerful he is. I want you to see how strong he is. And once you acknowledge he's all powerful, he has all ability, then I want you to quit striving. In other words, I want you to acknowledge that God's got this. Listen to me. Why are you not acknowledging God is all-sovereign and all-powerful? Why are you not doing that? Say, what? Are you trying to save yourself by your own coronavirus scheme? Are you trying to save... I mean, how many people have tried to save themselves from contagion, not even considering... As, as I shared a sermon not while, long ago, God has at least, at least I could find 12 reasons why He or, ordains pain for us. 12 reasons why God sometimes ordains disease for us. No, no, I, I'm going to keep it from happening. Well, I, I think you should be prudent and do all, do all the right stuff. But you're not in charge, and I'm not in charge. Did you not have that kind of experience with God? Why are you striving so? Why are you living life as though you believe God is not sovereign and he's not in charge? Many times, that's our testimony. We're living as though God is not sovereign and he's not in charge. Are you doing that? You see, That allows you to, to lose your patience. You get frustrated because you can't fix it. But my experience from the scripture is, I'm not the fixer. I'm not the healer. I'm not the redeemer. Christ is. And when we get that, we can start living with patience. I can endure this because God's got this. He's, he's in charge. We push our patience through ignorance. We push it by just not having experience in living life with God on his throne. Third, we push patience through insubordination, just flat out rejecting the will of God. The example I gave a few weeks back, I'll give again. Look at 1 Samuel 15. And I'll just use it because some of you who heard that sermon, you'll remember the context, and I won't have to go all the way through it again. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 9 says this, But Saul and the people spared Agag... And the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatlands and the lambs and all that was good. And they were not willing, catch that, wasn't their will, to destroy them utterly. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. And there's the key to the whole context or the whole chapter. What was God's will for Saul's life? He says, I want you to go to the Amalekites and I want you to kill the king and I want you to utterly destroy all the Amalekites and I want you to destroy all of their animals. I want want a total destruction. They clearly knew the will of God. and Verse 9 tells you they didn't do that. They weren't willing to do what God said. Because there's times when you say, "Mm, I got a better plan. You know, God wanted me to kill everything. This king, he's probably useful. He knows some secrets. He may know where some some of his treasures are hid. Let's keep him alive for a while. He's going to come in handy. And let's keep some of the best sheep and the best oxen. I mean, we're just going to sacrifice them, right? It'd be helpful worship elements. But we also get to eat what we sacrifice. And it goes on and on. There's many times where we do the same thing. We come up with our will instead of God's will. God's clearly told us, let's take some easy ones. You know, for us, like where God says, you know, we should tithe our income or how even easier than that. God, none of us would disagree that we're supposed to love your husband and love your wife, right? Are you supposed to train up your children? How many times do you say, I got a better plan. I'm not going to love them today. I'm going to love myself. And we don't love our husbands. And we don't love our wives. And we don't make the sacrifice to train up our kids. We do it our way when God's will was absolutely plain and clear. Insubordination. And when we do it our ways, these people and these things, and they put pressure on us, and we lose it. Because we don't get our way when we're trying to do our way. So hopefully you're beginning to see insubordination... Inexperience and ignorance of God's Word does indeed push our patience. We lose it, so how can we get it back? Well, ignorance of God's Word, we need God's Word to get it back. Inexperience with God's will, we need God's will to get it back. Um, inexperience with God's ways, insubordination in with God's will. We must have those in our lives uh, it, it's like when you see stress coming on you, you need to always be asking, where's God in the picture? What's God's word for this situation, this person, this thing? What's, how would God do this? What are God's ways? Uh, what's God's will for me right now for this? Well, we can get that into our lives. Let me share with you a verse. I love this. Proverbs 19 verse 11. Proverbs 19, verse 11, says a man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. Don't you love people like that? I do. A man of discretion, a man's discretion makes him slow to anger. A man that's going to overlook my sin. Man, I love people like that. That's the kind of people we need to be. How do we get that kind of discretion into our life? It's through the word of God, through the will of God, through the ways of God. So that I I act, I I live consistent with the way God would want. And I don't just focus on other people's sin, you know, because... What do we typically say is our number one patient pusher? You made me do it. You pushed me. And yet a man of discretion doesn't focus on the other person's sins, overlooks, sees it to be a glorious thing to say, let's don't focus on you. Let's don't do it that way. I love people like that. People with that kind of discretion. So how can we get it into our lives? You, first of all, you've got to know, and I, I, again, alliteration here, think through the soil or the environment for patience. How do we get it back? How do we begin to grow it, produce it? Um, what's the environment that's most conducive to building patience into a child, into us? Second, what's the source? What do we get into that environment? What's the example that's going to get us there? And then if we get patience, what's the reward? What's the success uh, that's going to keep encouraging us in patience? First of all, let's look at the soil, the environment for patience. Uh, look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. 1 Peter 2, 19 and 20. Got to get this. For this finds favor if for the sake of conscience towards God a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if you, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. Quite simply, he says, you don't need patience when everything is fair. You need patience when it's not fair. When the situation is unjust, when the person is mistreating you. Which is why I defined it early on that patience is uh, waiting in times of injury, ill treatment. That's the context that God gives us for patience. He says, there's no glory in in saying you're a patient person if you never have trials. So let me send you a trial, then let's test your patience. Let me send you an evil person. Let me send you an unjust situation where somebody is stealing from you and still harming you, and they're getting away with it. And then let's see how patient you are. That's the context, that's the environment, that's the soil from which patience is going to grow. You don't grow patience by having the good life, you have patience by having a tough life, a difficult life, and when things are going bad, um, Jesus shows this to Peter, you remember Peter losing his patience in the Garden of Gethsemane, this whole crowd is coming to arrest Jesus, and Peter's just standing there and his, you can literally from the pages of scripture see his blood begin to boil. You know, and as they get closer, nobody has to do anything. Peter, by that time, he's he's lost it. He pulls his sword, you know, cuts off a man's ear, and he says, Who else wants some of this? You know, he's ready to go. And Jesus said, No, 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 no. Put the sword up, heals the ear. And Jesus says, Look. When when did you quit believing God's sovereign? And God's in charge. Why are you striving? Jesus says, I can I can call down angels in heaven. He says, I got this. You don't have to lose your patience here. Are you ignorant? Are you inexperienced still at this point? Or are you just insubordinate? You've lost it, Peter. And Peter wants to keep that situation, you know, but but, but this is not fair. It's unjust. Exactly. That's where you learn patience. When it's not fair, when it's not just, when it's all wrong, what's God's will? And and I love this phrase Jesus says, Do you not understand? It has to happen this way. I got to go to the cross. I've got to be arrested as a criminal. I'm innocent, yes, but it's got to happen this way. Do, are you ignorant? Did you forget? Are you inexperienced? Or are you just plain want to do it your way? See, that's where we are. You've got to understand God has designed trials for us just as He did for Peter, who He was raising up to be a patient leader of the church. And help us see that we are going to learn that in times just like this. In a pandemic. When everybody are in a a racist riot. When everybody else wants to lose it. Look around. Who are those who are willing to endure ill treatment for the will of God? By the word of God. Because of a life they have with God. That's the context. We're living in a time where we can grow patience. and The church should be those who show it most. The soil is ripe for us. We don't need better times. Uh, you know, catch this. Some people say, I could be patient if I had a better husband. I could be patient if I had a better wife. I could be patient if I had a better job. See, no, 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 no. You don't need... A different environment. You don't need different soil to be patient. Patience grows when everything else is wrong and unjust. It seems to be coming against you. So, If you really want to love, love is patience. If you really want to love, you love right where you are. With the job you've got, with the husband you've got, with the wife you've got, with the relationships you've got, love is patient. It endures ill treatment because it's the will of God. It's according to the Word of God. That's our experience with God. Second, you need to see uh, who, what's the source of patience. How do we get this? Well, obviously God's the source. You got that. We've got to tap into God. We've got to meditate upon his example. So, the example I'm going to leave with you now is Genesis chapter 9, verses 12 through 13. And again, very popular example, but we need stuff we can remember. And this is one you've already got in your memory bank. But let me just give you the verses Genesis chapter 9, verse 13. God says, I'm going to set my bow in the cloud. And it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow will be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and everything living. Excuse me, and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. The example of God's patience right there. We call it the rainbow. Or did you see the bow in the skies? The literal uh, version of it here. Uh, What's God said? Look at this. Remember what? Remember my covenant? And this covenant is a covenant really of I'm going to be patient with you. Because we had just read about in Genesis Where God says, okay, I'm I'm going to stop being patient. He says, when I look at man, man is sinful. Every thought in his little brain is a sinful thought. And God says, and I'm tired of it. So as a consequence, I'm going to destroy mankind. And God floods the whole earth except for Noah and his family and destroys everything and starts over. And then as he starts over, he says, Now, to those of you, Noah, you and your family, I want you to see this beautiful bow in the sky. And think there, bow and arrow. You know how bow and arrow, the low long bow is, is uh, shaped. You know, if, if it's arched that way, then I'm, then I'm shooting that direction. According to the arch, if I do it this way, then the curve is that way and I'm shooting that way. When you hang it up, you, you hang it up with the curve towards the sky. So is it, and that's the way you see the, the rainbow. and It's basically saying this way it doesn't hurt anybody down there. I'm, I'm, I'm putting this, this bow in the sky to, to let you know you will never again be the target Of my wrath. This way. And literally. You read the rest of the Bible. Christ becomes. The target. Of God's wrath. It actually points to Christ. And he pours out. His just. Anger. On Christ. In our place. We are the unjust ones. This soil of. Of. Treating God poorly is our fault. Yet God places all his wrath upon Christ and promises we will never again be the target of his wrath. Now you think about that. Every day, God has to look down at mankind and he sees sin after sin after sin and you wonder, is he ever going to get tired of it? And God says, yes, I do get tired of it. And For those in Christ, I have already unleashed my fury upon Christ that you might go free. That's the example. God has a place for righteous anger. It's upon Christ to redeem and to pardon us. Think about it. God's patience with us to tolerate us day after day. When he looks upon man and sees sin, he sees me, a sinner, deserving wrath. And yet he's willing to spare me. Let me show you two quick verses. 2 Peter 3, 9. This is the context Second 2 Peter 3, 9. It gets so much controversy. 2 Peter 3, verse 9 says... The Lord is not slow about His promise. As some count slowness. But He is patient towards you. Not wishing for any to perish. But for all to come to repentance. Why doesn't God just go ahead and finish it? Because of love. Love is patient. He says, I'm going to give time. For repentance, for people to get it, to see the beauty of Christ. Do you want my wrath placed on Christ, or do you want my wrath placed on you? Repent of wanting it on you and say, No, I need Christ. I need it to be upon Christ. And then one other quick passage, second Timothy or excuse me, first Timothy chapter one, verse fifteen, when it's talking about oh, Paul being chosen. 1 Timothy 1. Verse 15 says, It's a trustworthy statement. It's deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I'm foremost of all. For this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate His perfect patience. As an example for those who would believe in Him for eternal life, so "I want you to see an example of perfect patience." Paul says, "Christ came after the worst sinner on earth. Talk about patience! This is someone who deserved to be killed time after time after time." Paul, I mean, Paul says, "I, I, God should have taken me out." but see my salvation as an example of God's unbelievable patience. So does he care about you sinners? Me, a sinner. He says, I hope you see that because God is love, God is patient, we must repent and live like God with great patience. Has anybody in here ever complained that God's just been too patient with you? We don't do that, do we? We know we have all received an enormous amount of patience, and patience is good. Love is patient. And I am guarantee other people will not be upset with you because of too much patience. We must look at the example of too much patience. It's God's example to us, and if we exercise that kind of patience with one another, what do we get? Again, popular verse. You just don't sometimes think about it this way. You remember Isaiah chapter forty? At the end, it says, you know, um, those who wait for the Lord, patience. You endure tough times. Wait without fussing. Those who wait for the Lord, what happens? They get new strength. Mount up with wings like eagles. Run and don't get tired, tired, walk and don't become weary. There's great reward, great success in waiting patiently, being patient, waiting for the word of God to understand, searching the scriptures. What's the word of God on this? Waiting for experience in applying that word. Keeping the will of God. And as you do that, you get new strength. You get the ability to endure more and more than you thought you could imagine. Um, Proverbs 16, verse... I think it's verse 32. Let me look at it. Um, I often give this out as... uh, As, as a verse to just make make a goal uh, for your life if you're struggling with anger um, yeah that's it Proverbs 16 verse 32 he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city now just think about that If if you're patient you rule your spirit you endure with patience you're better than somebody who takes a city. You're more noble. What do you want? What is what the reward? You're, you're stronger. Strength. Just like Isaiah 40. you You're got character. You've got honor. You've got riches. I mean, what's greater than the mighty? This one who has a love which is patient, which controls um, his spirit. Well, I know I need more and more patience. We all do. Love is patient. It's something, again, you're going to learn, you're going to grow in it if you just start putting God in the picture. Whatever your job, whatever your relationship, your marriage, your training of kids, um, your relationship with your neighbor, what does God say about this? God's Word. Don't be ignorant. What what does God want to produce through me? He's not just looking for my health. He's not looking for my happiness. He's looking for my heart of love. And He creates trials. He creates unjust situations to produce something. I've got to experience that with God. And if I know it's worth it, because this is His will, His word, then I'm going to obey. I'm going to... Stay focused on his direction. And I'm going to endure. That's what we need. The hardest part of any soldier that I've ever talked to. Those of you who've been in warfare. The hardest thing for them to train is patience. It's easy to fight. You can train somebody how to fight. But you, you train to fight. And then you've got to wait for the enemy. Or you've got to wait for the engagement with the enemy. You get on the warship, and then you got to wait. You get in the battle plane, and then you've got to wait. You dig your foxhole or your tent or whatever, and you have to wait. And it's just learning how to wait. Strategy, Good strategy is, is obviously important for success. But the ability to implement the strategy, to be patient... To do things the right way at the right time guarantees the success of the strategy. It's patience that's most needed. Interesting, this first ingredient, love is patient. Let's pray together. Father, there are a lot of impatient people in the room. We don't know how to hardly listen to a sermon without looking at a clock. We don't know how to do much without watching the time and growing impatient. Have mercy, Lord, on sinners. And Father, there's probably also some in the room that have never been patient. Meaning they don't have the love of God in their lives. And they're in great need. Grant them love from above. Save their soul. Come to them right now. And Lord, may they receive you as their Lord and Savior. That they might be loved from above and begin to have the fruit which is patience. Father, forgive us for the ways we have offended you. By coming up with our plan. By doing what's right in our eyes. When we should have been submissive to yours. Your plan. Your ways. Your word. Let us grow Lord. In this desire of ours to love you with all our heart, mind, soul and strength. Let us love you first by being patient with your word and your ways. And Lord let us love our neighbor the way we've been loved. By God who's just been way too patient with us. Let us be, let us exhibit that kind of patience with our spouse and our kids and our parents, our extended family, our neighbor, our nation, our leaders. Father, grant us the love of Christ. For we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.